Welcome to Apply the Word, a podcast of Redeemer Church. Today, April 1st, the one day of the year that everyone admits that they're lying on the internet. We are going to be going over our Pastor Benny Phillips' message from yesterday, March 31st. The Mystery Demonstrated, Unity and Diversity, Part 2 from Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. We will be discussing um, a little bit of March Madness because we started this podcast about two months ago, and for the first time in their history, Auburn has now made yes. the Final Four, so yes. we're going to take credit for that. Right. All right, let's go. All right, so we're here with our pastor, Benny Phillips, going over his message from Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, part 2. Um, he did 1 through 16 sort of last week, though it was mostly 1 through 7. Um, so we'll be getting into that, but first first things yeah, first. War Eagle. Yes. Auburn. Yeah. In overtime, takes down the... Mighty Kentucky. Yeah, not so mighty anymore, Kentucky. <laughs> and uh, they're going to the final four, which... First time. Dad is Man. very old, and he's never seen this. Yeah, sixty-four years old. I'm moderate. I'm moderately old, and I've yeah. never seen it. But he's really no, old. And he's never seen it. Basketball history for Auburn. Yes, yep. sir. All, uh, Barkley, I guess, only made the Elite Eight. I don't remember. That was he's, he's so old. I don't remember how <laughs> what what he ended up doing. But yeah, no, it never anything like this. Yeah, him person. No, none of the the. Two or three great Auburn basketball players Porter. have been Porter, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it's incredible. All the Elite Eight games were great. Like, yeah, we had a, good an outstanding slate of games. Duke lost to Michigan State in a two point game, which was glorious. Yes, yes. Um, and great ending. And Virginia, the team that Auburn will meet and beat. <laughs> <laughs> I keep saying let's not get ahead of ourselves, but at this point we might as well get ahead of ourselves. Yes, I guess. Yes. Um, no, the, Virginia in, took a last-second shot to go to overtime. Right. Um, and I felt very, very bad for Purdue. Um, Boy, that, that, speaking of good guards. Carson was balling. I mean, he had 40 or whatever. And, 42, I think. I mean, incredible game. But I felt bad for him, that the last-second shot to send yeah. him to overtime. And then, again, a lot of times you see this team's run out of gas in overtime, which I was worried was going to happen to Auburn, but uh, Harper just yeah. took over yeah, the game Harper in overtime. I mean, he, he scored more than they did. Yeah, and Bryce Brown kept us in it. Harper finished him off. We'll see how Harper, our offense, if we don't get threes right away, is give it to Harper and let Harper do Harper things, right. which did not work in the first half. And if Brown hadn't been balling, we would have been out of the game. But it did work in overtime. He wore him down or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just the, the overtime was so different than the rest of the game, yeah. and it just it was. Uh, I mean, good different, but but different nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I mean, Kentucky plays Auburn obviously very well yes. defensively, and um, so I. I mean, I do. I like Auburn's chances against Virginia. I mean, I know you think Virginia plays good defense, but they do play good defense. Yeah, but, it's not just that I think that. It's, yeah, well, <laughs> but, but it's just, all of the numbers indicate that I'm correct. <laughs> Yeah, but they, boy, they just seem way too slow to keep up with Auburn. We'll uh, see. Yeah, we'll see. 
I mean, I know they can beat them. I'm not <laughs> suggesting that Auburn's a cinch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying I think they can beat I them. I would love to see Harper versus Winston from Michigan State yeah, in the that championship. Be a, that That'd would be, awesome. be a great, great um, matchup. Although Harper doesn't play great defense. No. Uh, no well, although he would, does get a lot of steals. He's real quick. Yeah, he's quick. quick. He's not going to be an NBA player. He's too small and, like, he's not – quick enough to be that like wait he, I, he may be quick enough he just doesn't he doesn't have the handles to yeah to be able to do the stuff that pro guards end yeah. up having to do so yeah that's our college basketball analysis we're going to keep doing it until auburn loses because <laughs> we've we've given them a lot of good luck and we're going to keep doing that uh, but let's get into your message uh, from yesterday go ahead and summarize it and then i've got a, a question before we go to break yeah, Unity University Part 2. We started last week, obviously, talking about unity. And uh, Paul makes a transition from all of us to each of us in verse 7 to kind of highlight uh, his theme throughout his writing, which is the gifts of the Spirit, which are for the common good, right. are, are designed to display uh, the variety, the diversity that the church has but yet at the same time, the one new man, the community, the body, the, the oneness factor, the unity factor, and that that is a uh, picture. It's a demonstration, mm-hmm. part of the character of God. It's also a demonstration of the power of the Spirit uh, to make all things work together. And so um, his, his discussion of, of the gifts is, is pretty consistent in that. And then also I think what makes Ephesians a little different than the uh, other two major passages is the emphasis on ethnic diversity, which you know he talks about a little bit in in uh, chapter two, and then you're going to highlight a little bit more tomorrow right. uh, next week. But um, uh, in context, he still is talking about uh, the differing gifts. He's just focusing on gifts that are typically uh, leadership gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, the the teaching gifts. Right. So. And so he does start out talking about the differing gifts and how they work together, how that is um, uh, really what makes the church um, be as competent in its communication of the gospel as uh, it is, Right. and that um, the purpose of that unity, um, excuse me, the purpose of that diversity is both for the demonstration of the gospel in terms of communication, but also that is the way that the body uh, edifies itself, builds itself up, and it's how it grows and matures. Yeah. So, The illustration or the, um, I guess, illustration sort of that you yeah. used was um, action movies and things like this. They always highlight the right. skill sets of the people right. towards the beginning of the movie so that you know later who's needed for what to accomplish this mission you use mission impossible and some other the oceans movies as examples of this right which i thought was it's fascinating to um, think about that in terms of what paul's talking about here and and right. you know you in the mission impossible movies you have the strategist you've got the you've always got the computer expert you've got the explosives guy um and then you read into ephesians you've got the prophet and the, right. the apostle <laughs> yeah. and the preacher and yeah you know you need all these guys to accomplish the mission that god has us on it was a, it was a fun clever way of right. doing that just my attempt to be relevant <laughs> actually i had fallen asleep earlier in the week watching uh the mission impossible first movie and it's kind of what uh, okay you know the first one's great it. because it 
gives you the skill set of people right. and then says, right. but we're, we're taking away some of these guys yes. immediately that yes. you thought were going to be very important to this, which uh, is hopefully not what happens to the church. But um, <laughs> right, right. I'll only take that analogy so far. <laughs> but although it does work in the sense that you really do, you see the highlight of even though you've, in the movies, obviously, you've got your, your key stars, it really does... Uh, you know, they really do highlight those characters, and those characters do bring uh, a, um, a, a lot of uh, value to the movie, to the telling of the story. Right. Uh, as well as, of course, you know, they, you get big-name people, so you get more people in the movie, make more money. <laughs> but the, the, that idea of, you know, you, you, you really do need each of those individuals. Right. You know, you don't want the computer guy setting your explosives. Right. And that, and there is that sense of, you know, we can't do without each other. We right. we we can't. The eye can't say to the hand, "I don't need you." Right. I mean, that's that's that idea carries through uh, in that analogy, and I think in a very yes. helpful way. Yeah, I, I agree because again, it was a way, an easy, fun way of thinking about the fact that we need each other. Like we can't. Unless you are, well, Tom Cruise eventually becomes the guy who's a superhero who can do everything. Right. But taking that out of the equation, the Ocean's movies are a good example. You need each of the different skill sets to, right. to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And in the church, we need everybody right. utilizing their gifts, everybody building each other up with their gifts um, in order to grow. And, right. And so it was a fun, helpful way of thinking about that. And when we come back, we will... We'll get into that a little bit more specifically how how we grow because of these differing gifts. So we'll be back in just a second. Hi, my name is JJ. I'm one of the drummers here at Redeemer Church and also the producer of the Apply the Word podcast. And I want to tell you about something coming up next Saturday here in Orlando. If you're local, please consider being a part of this event. Our church is part of a great ministry called Letitia's House. We just opened up the safe house for sex trafficked women in February. And this Saturday, April 6th, Letitia's House is sponsoring a fundraising poker tournament. The tournament begins at noon on Saturday and will be held at the Stony Brook West Clubhouse. This tournament is going to be a great one. There's a $75 buy-in, lunch will be provided, and there will be all kinds of prizes included. Plus, you'll be helping a wonderful organization. If you'd like more info, please call Benny at 321-205-3464. That's 321-205-3464. Thanks for considering helping Letitia's house. All right, so in the second half of your message, you got into well, the second point was the purpose of diversity, which is maturity. And so you talked about the building up and the growing up. Right. Um, keeping in mind that illustration of the team with the various mm -hmm. uh, sets of gifts right. that are all valuable. Um, and looking particularly at the growing up, you said growing up is indicated by unity. Um, it's indicated by doctrinal health and maturity. Talk a little bit about how our various gifts grow us up in that way. How, how does the fact that uh, you may have a gift that I don't have or that I'm not as strong in and vice versa, um, 
how does that work to say grow us up in unity or in well, maturity? The, yeah, the unity aspect of it, uh, I think, can can be clear in terms of it doesn't matter in terms what uh, area you're working in or what the gift gift particular gift is. The fact that you are working together and are needing each other to accomplish the mission makes both all the gifts important right equally important and so the unity aspect of it the more you work together the more you grow the more proficient you become uh, you know and so you you there's maturity that happens there right <clears throat> in terms of of it, it's more the diversity aspect of things where it's harder because then you end up with people thinking that certain gifts because they look like they're more important right. seem like they're more important people end up then thinking they're more important. Right, and so certain they, gifts end up getting over, <clears throat> overemphasized um, right. or at least in people's minds get elevated to right. the point where... And Ephesians 4 gifts are particularly uh, tempting in that regard when it comes to the way you view leadership because they're teaching gifts. People tend to think, well, that's the most important thing, right. and so they end up, the leaders end up doing all the work. They're, and it's pu it's public. It's Everyone public, public is always yes, seems like yes. it's more valuable because right. it's public. Um, and it's doctrinal, which is more important right. in the sense of, of how you think about things. But in terms of application, where the church is growing, where the maturity is coming from, that's coming from the works of service, which leaders are supposed to be equipping people to do and then joining them because they're saints as well right, right. and doing the work. And this clergy laity thing, Ephesians 4 can be uh, one of those passages that that people really uh, fall into the trap of clergy laity a lot more. Is that so the fivefold ministry thing, we haven't talked about that much. Where right. does where does that come from? I mean that comes from this passage, but when did that that's not something that was discussed by the early church fathers. The Fivefold ministry idea, right, right, yeah. It's, it, I mean, the you had the apostles who were the ones who were actually the foundation of the church, the disciples of Christ, who actually wrote scripture, right. laid the foundation of the church. And so, when Paul then talks about some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, he's talking about those teaching gifts that kind of came out of that style of ministry they were doing, but because. In our generation, people have seen the work of the apostles, the Apostle Paul, Peter, and said, oh, well, those who do that work are the most important because those guys clearly, historically, were the most important. So now you're talking about different things. Right. The, 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 the actual working of the gift, I don't have any problem talking about there being an apostolic gift in terms of church planting right. and laying foundations or whatever, but it's not the same as, as right. those guys. And that's where people, I think, get a little, miss it. Yeah. Get a little confused. Yeah. As a point of application... Um, how do we, you talked a little bit about this in the message, how do we cultivate gifts? How do we cultivate, so our tendency sometimes can be, you know, to see somebody who regularly prophesies and right. think, ah, right. that's just never going to be me. Um, that, again, that's <laughs> right. That's the person in the Oceans movie who's the <laughs> pickpocket, and right. I'm never going to be a pickpocket. Be able to do that. That's right. So that's right. we'll let that person do that, which yeah. is not. That's where the analogy can break down a little. I think is because we shouldn't just be 
most of the time saying, well, that's not my gift, and so well, I'm yeah, not doing that. Yeah, I mean, you take, you take prophecy, for instance. You know, when you, when, you, when you see that gift in operation and people end up thinking, well, I, I could never do that. And Paul says, well, I wish you, that you would all prophesy. Right. So regardless of how you think about how that works, it is a public gift. And so then when people end up I'm waving my hands like I normally do on Sunday morning and knocking the microphone all around. Yeah, I mean it it's practice. I mean you just encourage people to step out in faith and operate in in various gifts and even with the gift of prophecy somebody first time somebody actually stands up and proclaims something right. you know that is that is a you know, public communication about what uh, God may be saying to us, it doesn't come off real smooth the first time people do it. It does, you know, you, you cultivate it because you encourage it even as people are beginning to use it. It's like people serving. You know, you don't... I think it's more intuitive when it's an issue of service or when it's like J.J. with the drums serves the church very well. He needed to practice. He grew in that. It's a skill. It's a gift. Um, that serves the church. It's a little, little more counterintuitive when you're when we think of the spiritual gifts, the prophecy, speaking in tongues. The idea of practicing those is a little less because we spirit we make it uh, this. It's we almost turn it into something that's magical and mystical. We think right. oh something's taking over the individual who is now communicating right. You know by the spirit. No 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 the things that. Those, all the gifts are operated in faith, and they're coming from individuals who hopefully are growing and maturing in their walk, personal walk with the Lord. They're coming from their knowledge of the Son of God, which is the second part that he's talking about. Their knowledge, they're growing mm-hmm. doctrinally, they're growing personally in their understanding of Scripture. And so when they're prophesying, they're not prophesying out of the air, they're prophesying from the Word of God, they're right. growing and maturing individually, and then that helps the church to grow and mature as well. Right, and that's that connection, I think, is is very important, and, and why specifically with prophecy, uh, I think Paul elevates it so much, is the connection between the one person growing in the gift and then utilizing the gift, and then that impacting the church as a whole and right. growing the church in, in maturity. That connection is one of the easier ones to make. Obviously, teaching is the other one, teaching and preaching. Right, as, right. A, as a preacher grows in his gift, right. the connection between that and the edification of the church is very clear. Uh, what about the non-public gifts? Yeah. How, how do the non-public gifts help to grow the church and, and build it up? Well, when you, when you think about someone who is administrating or displaying mercy or, you know, what, or even giving, you know, that as, as an individual exercises those gifts and grows in those gifts, not only does he have the opportunity, he, she, have the opportunity to, to train others, but to people actually see that gift, are inspired by it. I mean, think about Ryan and, and uh, the guy who uh, oversees our... He, yeah, he's the... Yeah, um, Ryan Garrett is one of the deacons at the church. He oversees the basically the operation of Sunday mornings and getting people there to get everything set up and take it down, and, and I mean, he's, among other things. He started serving, really, basically, right after he got, served, got saved. But when you think about how he has grown in his ability to 
understand how the uh, church service works mm-hmm. and what you know what we're trying to accomplish and how uh, efficient he's become in the work that he's done. I mean, that one, you see him growing and maturing, but then you also see the benefit to the whole church as things are operating more smoothly, as more people are being employed by him as he oversees and directs them Mm -hmm. because he knows how to direct them. It matures the church. It gives more people the opportunity to serve and 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 you know we're regularly having to ask for more people to get involved because right. there are more things beginning to open up that he has uh, really clearly made a way right. for that to take place. No, that's a great example. And I think as a matter of application, it's a great a great thing to to look at and see and say, okay, that's something that um, I can actively do. Right. And right. I can jump in whether it's the band with JJ, whether it's Ryan with the administration of the meeting, whether it's um, Cherie with prophesying, it these things as we as the rest of the church sees it, right? It should the effect that it should have on somebody like me is to um, encourage me to participate in these things, right? To join in and to and because you do see the effect that it has on the whole church when somebody utilizes their gift very well. It you you see the impact in whatever area it is, and well, and think about the think about the care aspect of it too, because when when um, Cherie first started doing the engaged seminar things, and the things that we were talking about, caring for the depressed, caring mm-hmm. for those who are you know struggling with it, and think, well, I, I don't know how to do that for people. I don't know how to, you know. What do I say to someone who is discouraged, disappointed, depressed? So here she takes a gift that she has in terms of caring for others, knowing how to do that, knowing how to uh, ask good questions, whatever. And so she starts talking to people, showing them, teaching them how to do that in the context of workshop, practicing it in the workshop. And now our community groups, people feel free to and feel more confident to ask questions, to draw people out. We're hearing testimonies all the time of how people are encouraged and edified and helped because someone normal in right. the in the community group is asking questions, drawing them out, caring for them, loving them. I mean, it works not just in an the non-spiritual gifts, so to speak, but in in all of the gifts. Right. I think as we continue to explore Ephesians, some of these um, direct applications, as we said, are going to become more and more uh, evident, and and it's going to make these conversations um, about you know applying the word more enjoyable, more easy. Um, I hope folks are benefiting from yes, this. Yes, yes. Um, so we will be back. I'm actually going to be preaching next week. We'll be back next Monday um, to dive into the application. It's going to be a very uh, <laughs> uh, current yes, sort of yeah, uh, looking forward topic, to it. Looking and forward to it. it should be a, a fun conversation. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.